and welcome to Mum in It, the podcast where we chat all things parenthood. I'm Harriet Shearsmith and I am indeed mumming it with my three kids, but I want to find out how other parents are navigating their parenthood and what that looks like. This season, we're talking parenting through a pandemic. And don't forget, at the end of every episode, I ask my guests for their parenting hack. Smallest things that will make the biggest difference. And if you're a fan of hacks and life tips, don't forget to check out my book, Mumming It, which is available to order now. Hi, so I have with me today Sophie and would you like to tell us a bit about yourself and who you are? Yeah, hello. First podcast, it might (laughs) waffle a bit too much. I love a bit of waffle, Um, I'm a waffler. I'm Sophie, I'm probably best known for being on YouTube. I have a vlog channel with my husband and my baby and my dog. It's just called Sophie and Dave, very original. And then I'm also over on Instagram and I'm kind of in the field of bit of mum life, bit of fashion, bit of, you know, the odd bikini shot, (laughs) trying to celebrate the new mum bod. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Oh, amazing. Welcome. We are going to have a chat today about your experience of parenting through the pandemic. I know you have had your baby, you've been pregnant and had the baby and then become a new mum all throughout this absolute nuts ride that has been coronavirus and parenting through the pandemic. And I just, yeah. I can't, do you know, honestly, I can't imagine how strange that must have been for you. I suppose with this being your first baby, yeah. an experience that you kind of, all the books are written for it in a normal time. There's no book on how to, you know, go through all of this throughout a pandemic and all the things I guess you would have expected to be your first pregnancy experience and your your first birth experience. It's all suddenly got this extra layer thrown into the mix because it's stressful enough as it is. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden you, you've got all of this chucked into the mix. So what has been your experience? How far along were you when everything kicked off? So I found out I was pregnant in October of 2019. So my first like 12 week scan was like in the January it was all very normal obviously at that point we were all just living our normal lives living our best um, unaware <laughs> yeah, it was actually quite a funny thing because we were living down south in a place called Basingstoke because my husband was working in London so we were living there so he could commute in and out of London and when we got pregnant his job was kind of a bit up in the air so we thought you know what let's just up and move back home to where my family is to Cheshire and have the baby there around family rather than be isolated down south with you know no family with us so come the January we decided to move home and my mum was very much moving with me because you can't look for a place while you live four hours away move in stay for a month find a place so we were thinking yep great that sounds amazing so we moved in with my mum in the January and then we were looking for places hadn't got somewhere and then when the pandemic hit obviously all housing and estate agents and everything shut down so we ended up pregnant (laughs) about five months pregnant with no home obviously we were with my mum so we were absolutely fine but you do want your own place when you're having a baby so we were just like oh my goodness I can't believe we are in this position and we don't have a home and then we both got jobs I had completely lost my job they just let me go and then my husband got furloughed from his job so we were just like we're jobless homeless five months pregnant (laughs) what are we gonna 
too. And then obviously at that point when COVID hit, the whole like midwife scene, they were nothing but helpful and supportive, but they also didn't have the information to give me because obviously we were just like the first to be having our 20 week scan and they're not sure whether Dave can come. They're not sure whether I should even be having face-to-face midwife appointments at that point, whether everything should just be over the phone. So it was kind of just all very confusing. And I remember even having a birth plan meeting with my midwife and she said, just to warn you, you might not be able to have Dave with you and you might have to wear a mask throughout the birth. And at that point, we weren't wearing masks in shops or it wasn't as normal as it is now for us. So even when I went to my growth scan for Barney with mask on, it just felt like so suffocating. It was just like a whole, (laughs) a whole ordeal. I just tried to stay as positive as I could throughout the whole thing. So when it came to the birth, my labor started about three days before my due date. And we actually had just got a house. We moved into our home at 37 weeks pregnant. So the last couple of weeks of my pregnancy were absolutely wild because we were looking on right move every day. We're only renting right now, but we looked at a place, moved in like the next week. It was full on, built like a basic nursery in a couple of days. So it it was just a bit of a whirlwind. I did remember thinking I'm going to go late because first babies are always late and I'll be able to put my feet up and relax. And then lo and behold, three days before my due date at 4am, I started getting like the dull ache period pain feeling. And I lay there just thinking, surely not. Surely I had another week (laughs) just waiting for this baby. But thankfully my birth did go okay. I was allowed to have a birth partner once I was in active labor. So I I stayed at home for as long as I possibly could. And I have really horrific period pain. So I remember being in labor, my contraction started at about 4am. And by 11am, I was thinking this is like to the point now where this is like horrific period pains where you don't have any like neurofen or anything to take. And then we got to the hospital about 1pm. And I remember just crying to the midwife saying, please don't send me home. I can't do that car journey. I just can't go back home. You're like at the point of no return. (laughs) You're just like, you need to keep me here. I can't do this anymore. And I'd done hypnobirthing as, as well as I could at home and been on my ball and had a shower, washed my hair. <laughs> like all the things I could do to try and relax. And I was six centimetres. So thankfully they brought Dave in and I managed to have a birth in the pool without a mask on because I really wasn't sure how I was going to have a water birth with a mask on. It just felt a bit odd. <laughs> Wearing masks as it is, when it's so new to you, and you've never yeah. worked perhaps in, in, I know in the dentistry profession, they wear them quite frequently. And I know in some professions they wear them and it's, it's quite normal for them. But when it's a, a sudden shock to you, it's weird yeah. as it is. And I found, I don't know about you, but I found birth quite oppressive and suffocating anyway. You know, you're trying to remember your breathing. You feel out of breath because you're in so much pain. It's shocking to you. Yeah. To then have something covering your face as well, I think is quite, it's quite an ask, isn't it? And to ask women yeah. to potentially do it without their birthing part there as well whoever that may be absolutely and it's the smallest thing like he wasn't allowed to walk into the hospital with me so it was walking into the labor ward up to the reception had my glasses on my mask on I was like bogged up I was in so much pain and have no one to like speak for you I remember trying to speak with the mask and the lady behind the glass was like kind of a bit unsure what the matter was and I just remember thinking like I need someone to just come and like help me can you take this for me (laughs) I'm not okay yeah Oh, yeah. I, oh, I remember it. That, yeah. The pain of it all and the just 
overwhelming feeling of it all to suddenly then have it in such a strange environment as well. Yeah. How did your partner respond to it then? How did he feel like with all the uncertainty? Did he cope with it quite well or? I think so. I tried to stay really, really positive for him. And I think we just tried to take it one week at a time because at that point, things were constantly changing. And I remember we all had quite a lot of optimism last spring where we kind of thought by the summer, we'd kind of be through the worst of it. So because I was due in July, I don't know, I remember at that point thinking, it's going to blow over by July. We're going to be fine. Let's just get through this a week at a time. And thankfully, I had a really uncomplicated pregnancy. So there wasn't really much to worry about in terms of just appointments and things. I, I was obviously very lucky that everything was okay with Barney. So yeah, I think as well with being a first pregnancy, you don't really know what to relate it to. So I'm sure there's lots of things that you'd think, oh, that's really odd that like maybe you weren't given as many appointments and things were done over the phone. And But for me, that could have been the norm. Yeah. I think for first babies, it's almost a blessing in disguise because you're not really sure what you're missing out on. That makes sense, to be honest. I mean, none of my appointments or anything were on the phone. Everything was done face to face. Quite frequently, Adam didn't come along because he was at work. So that was fairly normal. Yeah. But then the bigger appointments, like the scans, or if there was maybe something complicated or something wrong, he would come along for that. And I know for a lot of people, because they had it to relate to already, that was a big change and a big shock. I can't imagine having the midwife appointment over the phone. I mean, I was poked and prodded every time I went along. Yeah. Somebody saying, okay, let's measure this or let's do that. And you don't get any of that, I suppose. No, I remember one appointment that was right towards the end. You know, your tummy gets really like a rock, doesn't it, towards the end. She said to me on the phone, does it feel hard? I'm thinking, yes. What what do you mean? Do you mean like extra hard compared to what it is right now? Because <laughs> it's like a boulder. Like, I don't really know what I'm looking for at this point. <laughs> it's so difficult, isn't it? Because how do you know what you're meant to be looking for? And as you say, you've had a really uncomplicated pregnancy. So I think, yeah. especially for women who have had complicated pregnancies, it must have been such a stressful time. I mean, as I said, it's stressful yeah. enough. And I think it's, like you say, a, a blessing that you didn't have anything to relate it to, that it was yeah. your first experience. Did you stay in the hospital after you had Barney or did you come straight home? I came straight home. So I remember my family was so shocked that I made this decision, but you just make the decision in the moment that you feel is best, don't you, with anything to do with labour, you just follow your gut. So I gave birth at 5.31pm, so that evening, and to be specific... <laughs> And after kind of the stitches and all of that had, had happened, they said, do you want to go home? And I was thinking, what now? And she said, yeah, we could probably get you out by about 11pm or you can go to the ward. And at that point, I just thought, you know what, I don't want to take him to a ward with other people and maybe potentially their partners. And I just I just want to take him home. And I think the only big downside to that was not having the breastfeeding support, because I think that would have been much more helpful to have the midwives on hand to help me with that because Barney actually ended up having a lip tie and a tongue tie so we had a whole three week ordeal of him losing weight and not really knowing how to fix it then he had surgery to try and fix his tongue tie and it just was a bit of an ordeal so maybe had we stayed in the hospital that could have been picked up by a midwife or a nurse and it wasn't so that's my only regret but then at the same time I made the decision based on what I felt was right in the moment so it's so hard to know isn't it when you look back it is it's really difficult and I think as you say especially in that moment and especially under those circumstances as well you are making minute by minute decisions on what you think is the best 
So yeah. on the note of breastfeeding, and you say he had a lip and a tongue tie, what was your experience after you'd had Barney, you'd got yourself home, you kind of not really getting on so well with breastfeeding? Did you feel like there was a wealth of support with home visits and that kind of thing, or did that just not happen? It did happen. I probably got, and also, like I said, I don't know what's normal and what's not. So I had a visit at three days where they weighed Barney and they checked my stitches. That was the only appointment I've ever had to do with my stitches because when I asked about a month later whether I could have you know like the kind of all clear that everything's healed they said oh no we're not doing any postpartum checkups unless you think you've got an infection so I I felt like I did kind of want one more checkup on me which I missed out on but in terms of Barney they were incredible like I think anything to do with a baby like even trying to get Barney a doctor's appointment or anything they've been nothing but right there for him so that's you know that's an absolute blessing but it was really tough and it was things like using the car seat for the first time to take him into his he had um like feeding assessments done where they watch you breastfeed and I mean I'm sure you know like when you've had a baby your body is you don't care I'm being in this appointment with my boob out these two women were like watching how he was like sucking and the shape of my nipple and everything and they're like right up there like taking notes (laughs) so many people squeeze my nipple and just be around watching (laughs) oh yes mm, yes and you just like yeah this is perfectly normal as you were and then my whole experience at that point was I still had my glasses on and my mask on so I'm being like completely spogged up with my boob <laughs> out just thinking what is my life yeah I mean it it was tough it was tough doing things like going into all the appointments by myself like I was struggling to walk a little bit and not having anyone to be able to come in with me to the appointments in those first few days after he was born but it was okay like once I got into where the midwives were they just completely like scoop you up and, and take care of you so yeah that was fine they were incredible but it's just just such an odd experience I think when you've got a baby that's losing weight and you're struggling to feed and you feel all this guilt it's such an emotional time anyway I just felt like a complete failure there's actually a video on my YouTube channel where I just break down in tears and talk about how I can't breastfeed anymore and I look back now and I don't recognize myself I'm like how did I get that upset about breastfeeding but at the time it felt like the most horrendous thing to have to stop doing I just felt like a failure. I can relate to that and really remember that. I mean, I've had three kids, as you know, and I have very different breastfeeding experiences with them all. So with Reuben, great pregnancy, shitter of a birth, and everything went wrong. I ended up having to have an emergency section and then ended up with sepsis. And I couldn't breastfeed him. I couldn't breastfeed him at all. And I just remember this real guilt. And then with Edith, she breastfed till she was nearly three years old. So real polar opposites there. And I've had the full experience of having the pressure, but also the support, having the judgment, I guess, not just from external sources, but from myself saying, you should have been able to do this. Why aren't you doing this? It's a very lonely thing anyway, because you can explain it to other people and they'll just go, well, don't worry about it. As long as the baby gets fed, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But you will still tell yourself that you should have been able to do this. Very much putting it on myself. And I think I did have Adam there to support me and to sort of come into the appointments and if he could see that I was getting upset he might be able to speak up and that kind of thing so I guess yeah. if you don't have Dave there with you that's that extra arm of support that's been taken away absolutely and I think as well one thing that I wasn't prepared for it wasn't the guilt of going to formula because ultimately at that point after we'd had the lip tie and the surgery and all of that and then he still wasn't able to breastfeed at 
at that point, which was the three-week mark, and he'd gone down from £7.10 to £6.13, um, and he just wasn't gaining weight. He was almost a month old, and he was nowhere near his birth weight. And the guilt, for me, wasn't going to formula. The guilt was, why have I let this go on for three weeks? And I remember saying to the midwife, I think I've damaged him. Is he going to have brain delays? Is he going to have problems because he's not been nourished for three weeks? And that was my biggest guilt was that I had got to like three days postpartum. He hadn't gained weight. So we tried something else and tried all the new positions and the massage and the pumping. And then a week went by and we tried new things. And then we got him the appointment for the lip tie. So it was like making decisions every three or four days. But before long, three weeks had gone by. And it was the guilt of, I think I've let my desire to breastfeed get in the way of nourishing my baby. But at the time, you're just trying to make the best decision that you can. And it's only in hindsight now that we're eight months postpartum that you can say, I just did the best that I could at the time. You don't see that Mm -hmm. at the time at all. All you see are the things that you should have done differently. And it's that word of should. And we're almost scolding ourselves constantly saying, well, I should have done this. I should have done that. And you're quite right. You you do make decisions. And I, I think from my experience, it's a relentless thing throughout parenthood, even up to Reuben being 10 in a week's time. I'm still every day, every minute making a decision that I think is the right one. I don't yeah. have to. <laughs> I don't <laughs> actually know if it is. I'm hoping that it's the right one and that I'm not going to mess him up, but I'm never 100% sure. And I think that summarises parenthood right from the day dot all the way through. You're always just trying yeah. to do your very best and trying to make the right decisions, but it doesn't necessarily always work that way yeah yeah it is it's a tough one so obviously this is your first baby so you have nothing to compare to but how do you think being born and starting his life in the pandemic has been different for him as a baby he's eight months old now has he met family members yeah so we're allowed to be bubbled with a household because we've got a baby under one so thankfully my mom has not a busy household but I've got my brother and my sister living there so that's three (laughs) people kind of in in one which is great so he's had plenty of interaction with them Dave's mum and dad whizzed down just after he was born and saw him for a day and then they've not seen him since then so he's eight months old and we literally watch our vlogs because we upload pretty much daily vlogs of our life and I mean obviously we do FaceTime them as well but they just watch our vlogs and they've seen him grow from you know a baby to eight months of you know over the last year so I think it's been so much harder on them and I can't even imagine like putting my myself in Dave's mum's shoes thinking that's going to be that could have been Barney's first child in 30 years time and I hadn't been there for him I think it's so much harder on the family than it is on us it's it's really sad it is it is sad I think as you say you can bubble with one household which is great because I don't think you could in the very beginning I think the first lockdown if you had a baby under one it took them a while to say you can bubble with other households so you had these women who had a baby two weeks before the pandemic whacked us all in the face and they couldn't see anyone they had no support but to be able to bubble with one household huge bonus but also leaves people going well do we bubble with your mum do we bubble with his mum do we yeah. cut them out do we break the rules what do we do and I think that's very tough really- yeah I mean thanks not not thankfully but they are up in Scotland so that did eliminate that for us because it just wasn't allowed to happen so I can't imagine having two families cl- living close by and having to make that decision I think that would be horrendous I think so yeah have you managed to get to any baby classes or anything like that like when I had Reuben I think a coping mechanism for me and looking back on it it was 100% a coping mechanism was I had 
the fullest schedule. Anyone who knows me will know that I am one of those people that if I am in a really pressurized situation and I am relentlessly busy, I'm good with that. Like that's, yes. <laughs> that's my natural state of happiness. And I'll moan about it like hell. No, I don't like this. I'm too busy. Woe is me. But actually, that's when I'm at my most comfortable because I'm an overthinker and I get anxious and I will sit there going, this is bad. This is wrong. Something's happened. And I think because I do that naturally, I made myself so busy. Like we had a baby class every day, that pocket. (laughs) Like, I think he's trying, he won't even come to classes now. He's like, no, thanks, mum. I'm not into clubs. Is he like super musical, a great swimmer, got great rhythm. He's got all the skills. It's like, leave me in my bedroom and let me be alone. And I think it's my fault. I honestly do. He did baby swim. He did music classes. He did everything. So less so with the others, because I had, by the time Edith came along, I had three, three and under. So Reuben was three, nearly four. Toby was, I think he was just two. And then newborn Edith. So to take them along to a class just would have absolutely terrified all these new mums who would have just had these manic toddler boys running around trying to break themselves (laughs) relentlessly so I had less so with Edith I was so busy with the boys I don't think I noticed as much and Mm. I know pregnant then screwed which if anyone hasn't come across that before they're on Instagram and they also have a website they're amazing really helpful with pregnancy rights and pregnancy laws and supporting for women I know they did a lot of campaigning to make it so that women could have more rights after they'd had a baby so that they could get that family and they could go to appointments and things but as far as baby clubs have you had any of those experiences or or not no there's been nothing there's been classes online but to be honest even the thought of joining a zoom and having barney and maybe not being ready it wasn't really my cup of tea so we did a bit of baby sensory just on youtube videos that we could kind of do at our own pace but there's been nothing we've been doing swim lessons in the bath just to try and get him used to the water but i can't wait to take him swimming that's like the one thing i really want to do i mean my kids haven't seen a swimming pool for a year now no and actually I do think having a baby during this time has been tough but what I do think now that Barney's at the eight month mark and he is way more interested in the outside world and you can tell that he's wanting to do more things now in his day if I was going into lockdown at this point of his development it would be so much harder because even though it's been tough and it has been tough emotionally a lot of the first six months is very much just sleeping and a bit of play then they'll have another sleep I can't imagine having a one-year-old eight-month-old you know a child around that age at this time I think that would have been much harder yeah because they just need so much more and I think of children that are toddlers and just not having the same interactions that they would typically be having even just things like going to the shops I think that's such a typical thing to do with with young children and soft play and all those things I think it's such a shame for all those things to have been taken away I agree. And I think, as you say, at that age of, you know, naught to six months, if you like, it's very much the eat, sleep, poop, repeat kind of vibe. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Going on. And I know people have talked a lot about the impact that it will have on babies not seeing other faces and the impact of them seeing masked faces as well. But I think for toddlers in particular, it's a really trying time because especially if they've just got comfortable with nurseries and that kind of thing. Yeah. A huge shock for them and we forget as well I think that we typically have baby with mum usually often just mum for the first few months of their life 
And then whilst they might do clubs and things and they might see other faces and they might do the shops and that kind of thing, there's not very many people that, especially before three months, will have baby going to a childminder or will be being left with someone else. So that in itself is not going to be too dissimilar. Yeah. What do you think has been the very hardest thing? I actually think the winter, like this winter lockdown has been tough. And it's that thing of having no one to enjoy Barney, like not having that thing of having a friend to hold him and say, oh, isn't he so cute? Or being able to take him somewhere. In the selfish sense, I never got, because I went into lockdown just as I kind of got my bump, I never got to be like pregnant in public. I never got to have a baby shower. I never got to like have anyone say, oh, when are you due? Or I never wore any cute dresses and went anywhere. And I know that sounds very selfish, but looking back, I do feel a little bit robbed of that time of my life. And even having a new baby and having, you know, just that feeling of being really proud of your baby and having friends and family hold them and say how lovely they are that being ripped away has been really tough and then I think just that whole feeling of winter and it never ending and you're out for another bitterly cold walk with your pram on your own listening to another podcast and you just think I don't know how long I can do this for now I'm so lonely the days just felt so long didn't they especially from like November to January where (laughs) every time I see like a daffodil or a snowdrop I'm like jumping for joy because it just makes the walks and and just being on your own so much nicer when you can look at spring and not winter that sun came yeah. up the whole of the UK just lifted collectively and went oh yeah okay, this is not bad now. <laughs> it was still really bad nothing had changed from the day before sunshine just feel like a glimmer of hope and I it don't does. think it sounds selfish at all or like it's really trivial to say that you feel that that whole experience was pulled away from you because it is an experience and it is all a part of it and it's that pride and that changing body and being able to celebrate yourself I think having your YouTube channel as well I hope will have been some kind of help to you because you will have been able to share your experience that way but it's not the same we all know it's not the same it's the same as when we're zooming with people or when we're skyping family it's not the same and I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with saying actually you know what I missed out on that and that's rubbish and I think a lot of people will relate to that and feel the same Uh, I would I loved having my bump on display I loved being pregnant I absolutely adored it and I know some people hate it I loved it yeah I enjoyed it and I really loved that collective experience because everybody everybody likes to nosy with a pregnant woman don't they and there are are nice ways to do it and there are (laughs) ways to do it I get that but people used to smile at me just because I got that bump and like you say oh when are you due and that kind of thing and I worked in mother care at the time when I was pregnant with all three of them and you know there was just something so lovely about seeing people and seeing other pregnant women and being able to chat to each other and have this almost shared experience so I don't think it sounds selfish at all to say actually that wasn't an experience that I got to have and that was rubbish I miss mother care we didn't even get to do any baby shopping like we bought all his clothes all his furniture everything online so yeah I'm excited for baby number two (laughs) when that happens and being able to kind of have that first experience again but we're definitely going to wait until we can actually have that experience yeah absolutely. <laughs> another year or so yeah hopefully it only will be another year or so when you can actually say you know what this is behind us now and we can look back on it and go <laughs> wasn't that awful <laughs> yes. still being stuck in it like we are now because I think we thought that the clock would strike 12 and 2020 and we'd all just go yay done and it's yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> so far from not. And I think that in itself has been a bit of a, a rude awakening for everybody. So at the end of every chat, I like to ask what is a mum hack that you have thought of or a life hack? And it can be anything. Do you have a mum hack for me? Oh my goodness. To be honest, I don't feel like I've got anything interesting to say. I've just muddled through from beginning to end. The first one is so obvious, but it's something that I've had to learn and it's asking for help. Do not feel like you have to do it all on your own. It's so much better to ask for help. I'm just going to give you a little few because they're, they're all quite rubbish individually here. <laughs> I've recently discovered Amazon drawer dividers. This sounds so boring, but they're like these stretchy dividers that you put inside your drawers. And I have it kind of right up to the edge with a tiny little gap where we have all his vests. Then I do pajamas and I do onesies. And it's honestly changed my life, especially, you know, when you ask your husband to put the clothes away and they do not go where they need to go. Yes, I do know this. I have actually like managed to transform Dave. <laughs> so now he puts Bonnie's clothes away and there's like a clear space for everything. Those draw dividers have changed my life. Yeah. And then recently, because we're in much more of a routine now and we do vlog every day, so it's hard to like have a baby and also just try and look half decent <laughs> when you're filming yourself. So I do now get up an hour before Barney every morning and it has changed my life rather than lying in bed and hearing him and thinking, oh my God, I'm not ready to get up. <laughs> I do think having even just 20 minutes to yourself every morning to have a cup of tea, wash your face, brush your teeth, brush your hair. And then when your baby wakes up, you do feel like much more able just to enjoy it and get on with your day. That has really made a huge difference to me. Yeah, I can totally second that because I went through a phase of getting up earlier so that I could just be on my own for a bit. I have Toby, who's a really sensitive sleeper and naturally wakes up very early anyway, like 6am is his oh, I'm awake. 5 a.m. is early to him. And I'm like, no, dude, that's the night. Stop it. Go away. So I went through a phase of waking up a bit earlier before them. And it really does make such a difference, especially if you're not naturally a morning person. I'm not naturally a morning person. Me neither. <laughs> I need a good, decent couple of coffees before someone speaks to me or I will hadouken you. I'm, I'm just not friendly. So to be able to avoid the kids for the first hour or so, not so much at the minute. One of the things that we did through the pandemic was especially through the last lockdown was getting up later and not stressing about it but now we're back into the school routine or we're trying to get back into the school routine should I say because they've just gone back yesterday whilst we're recording this I found that if I get up and I sort myself out I'm ready for them when they get up and that's been yeah. really helpful for me but these draw dividers I feel like I need them in my life yes something that I really need I mean <laughs> I will say to the kids, go and put your stuff away. And I'll find like boxes hanging from a rail. And I'm like, it's not what mummy meant. So yeah, they sound like something that I could really use in my life. It's the most adult boring thing to say, but when you wash clothes, dry clothes, and then they're just like, I feel like I'm my mum. I feel like I've heard her say this my whole life. I've washed that, I've ironed that, I've, put, I've folded it, and now it's screwed up in some random drawer. It's infuriating, it really is. So they have changed my life. 
Well, that's exactly the kind of mum hack that I am here for. The life-changing <laughs> kind that sounds really middle-aged and boring, but yeah. actually makes the biggest difference to your life. So that yeah. is exactly the kind of mum hack that I think we all need. So thank you very much for coming thank and you. with me today. It was really interesting just to hear about your experiences, because that's one of the things that I wanted to do is chat to as many people as possible that had different experiences throughout it, because it's the old same storm, different boat. That's what we're, we're all facing at the minute. So thank you very much. Thank you so much.